Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Jeff, we have some pretty cool guests today. Guests? Want to let our listeners know who they are. Yes. So today we'll be talking to members of the band Petrified Max, who includes a couple guys that were from The Last, who a band that we've talked about before, Danny and the Doorknobs, and Trotsky Ice Pick. So we'll hold off for the actual introductions until we get the guys online. I say let's get started. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. Hey, Soraya. Yes? Like uh, Paul McCartney and the Wings sang, someone's knocking at the door. <laughs> I think it's Petrified Max. Let's let him in. Let him in. Open the door and let him in. <laughs> Hello, Petrified Max. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Hey, you are. hey Jeffrey. Hi. Is it one or two of Petrified Max? Just one right now. Can you hear me? Ah. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you doing? All right. So we're looking forward to finding out some more about this project. This album is something that we really, really enjoy quite a bit. So we appreciate you taking time to talk to us about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Beatus will be along soon, I guess. Okay, great. Great. <laughs> it's a little bit early for rock and rollers. Yeah, I know he's up early anyway. Yeah. <laughs> us too. We're early birds. Yeah. This is the definition of punk. You don't expect it. Here's where, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, should, I should just say I've been up all night. That would, that's see, that would so very punk of you. Thing. So very punk. It's, it's almost bedtime for you, John. Almost bedtime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna round out his his evening <laughs> and just like close it. John, I have so many questions. We have so really? many questions. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Jeff and I have been trying to decipher this, the title of the, the album. So yeah, we can't wait to hear it. We have lots of theories. That one's easy. Oh, <gasps> yeah, we got it. Hello, cat. I got visitors here. Soraya, is that your kitty or that's John's kitty? No, that's, that's John's. Mine. My cat knows to stay away when I'm recording, <laughs> although he never does. Yeah, I've seen and heard your cat quite a bit, Soraya. So. Yes, yeah, he, he has opinions. Look who finally decided to show up, the big boss. <laughs> I see his name. <laughs> see, the cat introed him. Hi, Vetus. Hello, how are you? Good to, good to hear you guys. Wait, so is this how rehearsals work out, where Vetus shows up like five minutes late to rehearsal? Uh, I've been known to show up three days late. <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to show up for gigs at the wrong club or on the wrong night. <laughs> so the fact that I'm here on Shannon's computer is a, you know, mystery. Excellent. We're gonna we're gonna call that a victory. We're gonna check that out. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? We're doing we're doing great. all right, Vetus. Good. Yeah. So Vetus, I've known you for 35 years, and I know you as Vetus Matare. 
But when we talked to Joe Nolte, who, who's known you much longer than I have, and can certainly pronounce your name much better than I do. I wouldn't bet on that. Not necessarily. He says Vitus. So can you tell our listeners the correct way to pronounce your name? It depends on the language, the country, whatever. I oh. got moved around a lot as a kid, so I never stop people from pronouncing my name any way that they want to. Okay. okay. So I'm used to Vetus. That's what most people say. Okay. Yeah. I recognize virus, fetus, beavis, oh, <laughs> many other things. <laughs> we, we won't say virus or fetus on, on this show. <laughs> but they might say beavis. <laughs> and then so John, John Rosewall sounds pretty easy yeah. to pronounce, but when I hear Vetus pronounce it, it sounds like Wally. Like, yeah, I don't get how the Wally speech, comes from speech either. defect that he has. <laughs> it's just from the it's just from Wall the Wall and Rose Wall. Okay, so yeah, and and in the last we had two Johns, so we had to distinguish okay. between them. Yeah, all right. So there is a story behind it, though. Okay. Okay, we're here. We're here for it. Managed the band the last when Wally joined the band, and. His last name was misspelled on every guest list, John's name was. And finally, one evening, he sort of had it out with Gary and said, look, it's Wall, got it? W-A-L-L, there's a little bit more to it than that, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> so it was at that point we started calling him Wally. Uh, yeah. It wasn't Rose right. Wald, Gary always wanted to spell it with a D. Is uh, that funny? <laughs> so that was Gary Stewart? Who's that was Gary Stewart. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. All the Okay, so we have to ask the name Petrified Max. We're we're done trying to uh, you know undo the puzzle. Tell us where the name comes from. It means absolutely nothing. Um, where did I, I was, it come from? I was, doing, well, I was doing visual. I was doing visual art for a long time, and uh, one project I was doing involved some uh, sort of manipulated abstract photography, and I was just titling individual works. Um, just just kind of at random. One reminded me of a, a Max Ernst painting called Petrified Forest. So I ended up calling the piece Petrified Max. Oh, and when we needed a band name, you know, band names are tough yeah. these days. Yeah. Right. Because it, it can't be, you know, the last is not the best band name for search engines, no. you know. Um, so, you know, you got to kind of come up with something that's going to stand out. And, uh, you know, uh, petrified Max was kind of hanging around, so we used that. There was, there's no other Petrified Max out there, so it works pretty well. Excellent, love that. Number one in the Google search. <laughs> so can we talk yeah. about who is Petrified Max? So the two of you, Vetus and John, you guys met each other uh, as members of the last, correct? That, um, John, correct. you came in yep. at a later period of time and started playing yeah. bass for the band, and then you guys have gone on and done projects, Danny and the Doorknobs and Trotsky Ice Pick. Um, can you tell us who rounds out the band besides the two of you? Well, Danny Frankel. Uh, we we um, brought in Danny Frankel to play drums, who's an old friend. See, th this should actually go to Vetus because Vetus knows Danny from from way back. The first time I met Danny is, is in Petrified Max. Uh, I recorded some uh, music for Carmack DeForest. I did a whole album for Carmack DeForest. And the drummer on that was Danny Frankel. And there were a few other sessions where Danny was the guy that was called to come in and play whatever kind of music it was. It was awesome. He could play anything. And uh, when we were working on these songs, well, and we decided, okay, we're gonna not bring in the whole 
usual crew of all of our friends on this stuff. I'd really like to work with Danny if he's even available. Just give him a call first. And he was available and it went really, really well and things happened very quickly. And he's willing to keep playing with us. So we're jazzed. Uh, I think he really liked the recordings as well, but we had such a great time playing with him that uh, we're still doing that now. Nice. And you guys had some guests that show up on the new record um, playing. You have a cellist, uh, someone playing banjo, trumpet, saxophone. Can you tell us a little bit about your, these additional guests that you brought in? Uh, they were well, people that, go ahead, Wally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no. <laughs> we just will tell you that. Uh, longer version. <laughs> uh, these are all guys that Johnny Bell knew. So, um, uh, you know, we would say, is there somebody that could do this banjo part? I've got this song that's a little goofy, but really rock, and, and I want a banjo on it. You know, and everybody, the rest of the guys gave me the puzzled look. And then, well, there's a guy that's really, really cool. And I, I can't remember his name right now, Mr. Bo. He came down, he was awesome. Yeah, that's Alex. Yeah. And uh, Wally wanted horns for two of his songs. And uh, Johnny knew who to recommend. These guys, not only were they great players, but they were, they had a terrific sense of humor. They were so cool to be around. Uh, okay. And um, the cellist was awesome too. Yeah. So, this is all through Johnny Bell, who put this together, recorded the record for us and really, you know, it's at least a co-production credit. He's been, he was really patient during all our screwing around and rewriting things in the <laughs> studio. It was a great experience and it's always great. It's Jazz Cats down in Long Beach, a guy named Johnny Bell, who used to be in a band Crystal Antlers, but he's produced a lot of bands since then. So before we get into the record, we wanted to know, this is a really different sound. You know, people who are familiar with your work, through other bands, Trotsky, Icewick, The Last, I mean, you name it. This is a really different sounding. So what was the nucleus of this? Like when you guys decided to come together again and put give Petrified Max a musical life, what was the musical influence? Because it really sounds different. Okay, I think it's these are songs that we knew were gonna be rejected by the Trotskyites. <laughs> so for me, it started with the little bat song that I really wanted to record and get together right. with Wally and hearing him, you know, play that lead part over. It's like, okay, this is outside the realm of what we do in Trotsky. You just keep it separate because they're not going to be into it. And there's way too many songs going on. John is yeah. currently playing, Wally is currently playing in a band with two other Johns in a Trotsky ice pick. That <laughs> band has five songwriters and we don't get together off enough. We barely play. We don't tour. So there's always this backlog mm -hmm. of material. So the odd songs that we knew weren't going to fit, but things that we were really enjoying playing were all set aside for this new thing that couldn't be Trotsky. Yeah, and you know, I didn't, I didn't play music at all except for the odd last reunion um, for 25 years. And I, I didn't own an electric guitar for about 30 years. And I bought one about a couple years ago um, and started writing it. First, I thought that maybe I'd want to do some surf instrumental stuff. And so I was writing some really boring surf songs. <laughs> and then some that. that didn't quite, that didn't quite, <laughs> except for the one that, the least boring we're working on, we're working out now. Um, but then I had some others that were kind of oddballs and I, th I thought of them as, as instrumentals. But when, you know, we got this idea, I brought those in and then Vetus put lyrics to them. And that was, um, which ones were they, Vetus? Acres and uh, one we didn't use. Headline, actually. 
you know, so they turned into something that it was completely different than anything that we'd done in any of the other bands where I didn't, I didn't really write anyway, except for one or two oddball songs. And I think over the years too, at least my influences have changed so much that it, this is definitely, you know, there's no way it wouldn't sound different than what we did before. Same as and we never used horns before. We never used horns before, banjo. That that was another thing. You know, we, we kind of freed ourselves to bring in a cellist and yeah, banjo player and all that stuff. Well, we'll do that again. I, I think there's more experimentation on the way here. But we're also thinking about how we could play live and who we'd want to drag into that. So it is a, a <laughs> I wouldn't call it a working band, but it's a band that should be able to go play at a bar sometime at 6.30 p.m. And hopefully we'll get to do that soon. You know, you know what I find so funny is, you know, Vita's always just kind of downplays it. Yeah, you know, we can play bar 6.30, last call, That we're the band that's coming on. No, this is a really solid record. And, you know, Jeff and I have discussed this a lot. The songs that you've given us, there are some really powerful tracks here. And I can't wait to dig into it. Okay, but please clarify the title, Charlie Drove North. Jeff and I have many conspiracy theories about what it is, but you guys tell us what it is. So, Soraya, you know that my two top picks are Charlie Brown. It, it has to be Charlie Brown driving north, or it has something to do with the Viet Cong. And I think Charlie is someone that you know, or it's a dog. <laughs> it's not a dog. Well, Vetus will talk about the song, but uh, the, the way it ended up is the title of the album was really at random. I was doing the design for the layout and uh, we wanted to have a, a three panel insert. And so I was lining up these paintings and for no particular reason, I grabbed the line out of um, length of rope and just put the words Charlie Drove North. We, we actually weren't gonna title, give the album any particular title. And then we just thought, well, we'll title the album that way. But the line comes from the song and that's Vetus' song. So he should talk about that. All right. There really was someone named Charlie in high school who really did hang himself. And it's not a pleasant story, but uh, the mystery of that chorus is just, you know, he actually drove North until his car ran out of gas and he hung himself. Wow. Um, so that's, that's the chorus. And it wasn't intended to be the title of the album. I wasn't sure we we're going to include that on there. Uh, it's not the most chipper, upbeat little tune, but it's something that happened when I was 18 years old and it really affected me. And I always felt so bad for this guy. Um, and it's a true story. Wow. Yeah. So uh, in terms of titling the record, it ended up just right. It's it's a little little art piece the, that that song. You know, it's another dueling blues guitar thing. Um, very sparse. And it is really dark. A lot of the songs started off really, really dark. We tried to make them more listenable, but uh, the title is pulled from that song. Yeah, and it's it's a very intriguing title. So it, I think it definitely works for the, in the band's favor. Um, before we get into the, the songs, we wanted to go through track by track, if you guys didn't mind. But John, you mentioned the fact of lay, the layout um, and that you had the three panel layout thing. Can you talk a little bit about the artwork? You note that there's some different pieces that were used um, as far as the canvas pieces. Can you talk about those? Yeah, you know, I think we, I think, uh, we got up to eight, I'm trying to remember the, the file numbers. I think we got up to 18 different ideas for, for the covers. We were really having a hard time coming up with something. And I had in the back of my mind uh, this artist um, that I knew of named Samantha Fields. And 
you know, Vetus went to the web, her website a couple times and, and, and then really focused on that, the, the uh, image that we used for the cover. And that's sort of what opened, opened it up. Um, and then it was just a matter of in putting together the, the layout, you know, maybe pulling from a few other images that made a sort of atmospheric package. Um, and that's really where it came from. So that's, that's, yeah, that's Samantha Fields. She's, uh, fairly well she's well known within los angeles yeah it's, it's a great image too i, I really like the visuals for yeah. the cd itself it was funny that yeah. uh we, we were working on record covers wally was doing all the work and sending these things over and there's some really good looking ones but they just didn't go with the music what i thought it should be and then he sent me to the samantha fields uh website and the opposite was true it's like every one of these works <laughs> it was hard mm. to pick one uh, it was a matter yeah, of picking which it one. It just yeah. kind of went with the music and the tonality of what we were envisioning when we were making that music. Excellent. Soraya, what do you think? Should we get into these songs now? Yes, because I thought it was brilliant, Vetus, to have this bookend at the start and end of the record with the bat. The bat whispers and then at the very end, the bat reconsiders. Was that intentional or did it just happen that way? Um, there is a, There were two little patches of that song and I just couldn't give up the instrumental one. I really wanted to keep that instrumental and I love the idea of doing the bookends and we went back and forth. I think both Wally and I, we changed our minds a couple of times. Is that instrumental thing exciting enough, interesting enough? No, it's just for us, let's not put it out there and so, as the record assembled was 10 songs. We didn't want a long record. We didn't want to do the, you know, the hundred flowers thing with all the short songs is really cool, but it's no longer cool when you do a bunch of four minute songs, you're trying to jam them onto a piece of vinyl. That's not great. So we wanted to keep it succinct and 10 songs were just the right amount. And for some reason, there was no good song to close with. And so that was just the perfect thing to tack on. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but it's a little closure. It's a, you know, little finale. It really, it really, is this nice way of tying it together and giving us this very eerie intro and outro, you know, like it all, it all comes together because Jeff and I were talking about how this first track is it's just this eerie melody, but it hooks you in. Song. Boom! There it's like a <laughs> There's a hole in the sky. Hole in the sky. There's a fire in the heart. 
else about the bat whispers i mean v is pretty much just said it all yeah but. so you know for me sequencing is a big deal on records i really yeah. i think it's a huge art form and how bands sequence things and i'm an, an album guy for sure i i prefer albums over singles and um i think you guys did a masterful job on the sequencing and i want to talk about that transition going from vetus's uh, eerie bat song into John's Hole in the Sky. So, um, John, can you tell us a little bit about Hole in the Sky? And and also, as a as a side question, can you talk to us about the sequencing? Uh, yeah, the sequencing. I think you know, at a certain point, um, we were thinking about a sequence, and, and literally, I just sat down and started playing the the tunes. I guess we'd selected exactly which tunes we're going to be on. Um, and I just started playing them one by one. Um, and that was the sequence that we ended up using, you know, so I was just kind of okay. feeling my way through it. You know, I always thought I, I always, it's, that was always my favorite song on the record. So, uh, I wanted that first. And then I liked the idea of going somewhere really different. Um, so hole in the sky. And then I just, I just kind of crept through the tracks. Um, and that ended up being wow. the sequence that we used. Um, and I always like, you know, I, I like albums too. And I like albums that um, manage to put together a, a, a lot of disparate elements. Um, the Beatles albums come to mind, the later ones anyway. Um, so I was, I'm always thinking of that transition from um, back in the USSR to, to Dear Prudence. And so I, I this goes kind of in the yeah. reverse direction, but uh, that's really just what I was, what oh, else very cool. Yeah. And about the song, can you tell us anything yeah. about Hole in the Sky? I don't know. That went really fast. Usually the songs come from just a, a chord or two. And uh, and so that, that initial, um, it's not really a riff, but the kind of D minor to whatever that is. Um, that just, you know, it's just a matter of like then following the chords to the next place. So that just sort of developed fast. And the lyrics don't really mean a lot except that um, uh, Notre Dame was burning mm -hmm. that day. So I was, so I was just kind of going, I was just kind of going back and forth between, you know, images that that reminded me of and literally just what was around the house. Um, 
So that's why there's a cat on the stairs and a book on a chair and stuff like that. Um, and then the three little pigs. Once I realized that the, the song was actually about, you know, um, uh, the precariousness of existence, then the three little pigs. They always show up, don't they? And the song was pretty much the way I envisioned it that first day. I wanted the horns, like Vita said. And uh, the thing that Vetus added was the, the call and response. Don Williams was disappointed that it wasn't a Black Sabbath cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably coming, given my oh, taste. Yeah. Yes, bring it. <laughs> We're here for all of it. And then next comes Snowshoe. Oh. This, uh, and uh, one of the things that's so striking are the harmonies and the really sweet vocals on Snowshoe. want to know the inspiration behind the song oh <laughs> oh this is a difficult one um let's do something with buying <laughs> leisure footwear online and none of it fits and always having to send it back <laughs> so uh it i wrote it for my wife shannon and we'll leave it at that she can't believe okay. that this you know crazy limerick is actually on our record um, it probably would not have been on the record if it hadn't been such a fun jam. When uh, the banjo showed up and we started playing it with the banjo and he was dueling with Wally's lead, uh, it was just, we got to put this song on there. I'm not writing real words for it. This is it. The words, the consonants and the vowels on that lyric just sound great. They make zero sense to anybody except, you know, the person that I love. So, <laughs> it's I love this song. <laughs> I love this song and I loved all the, the harmony. I loved everything about it. Jeff? Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, this is one of my favorites for oh, sure. Cool. So you can let Shannon know that we <laughs> love this song even though it it seems very, very silly. You to guys her. have probably seen the video that my daughter Liv made for that thing. Oh, your daughter made that. Yeah, so it, it just kind of goes with it. It's a whole family affair, that one song. Love it. Nice. Beautiful. So we mentioned Length of Rope earlier, uh, and that's the next song that comes up, another Vita song. What's the, what's the story behind Length of Rope? Well, I, I think we kind of got into it. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it's a uh, uh, young guy that accidentally killed his girlfriend. Uh, they were going to snort some coke that was laced with heroin, and she died instantly. And um, he ended up going to jail at first when his family bailed him out. The first thing that he did was take the family in the car and drive north and hang himself. And we didn't have a chance to talk to him. There's nothing we could do about it. So when we put that together, we kind of put together the insensitive cop repeating every single line and making it sound like he's talking into his, you know, uh, wireless in the car. Um, and then the actual just portrayal of, you know, can't somebody, can't we, there's nothing we can do. We don't know where he is. All we know is that he took the car and we 
we're told that he drove north. So that's the song. Yeah. So you go from that to start into power pop art to like. <laughs> so wait, we also have to mention that on June 21st of this year, Rodney Bingenheimer played this song on his show. Yes. Twice in one set. Which is, you know, what more, it's like getting the Pope's blessing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish the Pope were as cool as Rodney. <laughs> What I loved is that he played it twice. And so, you know, it's just very affirming to hear one of your songs on Rodney's yeah. show, and but also to give it that audience. Right. Because this is way beyond a local LA station. This is now satellite. So. Yeah, yeah, we were really happy about that. I mean, that. That, was, that was just a real, real nice affirmation of how powerful the song is. I have to say, this is my favorite song. Oh, cool. And I said it from the get-go. Yes, I like this song so, so much. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll talk about Three Times Gone, which Jeff and I, you know, slobber over also. But Power Pop Heart is a really <laughs> strong driving song. I'm glad Ronnie picked it. And um, could you tell us a little bit about the story behind this And song? this one's a co-write, too. So this is the first right. co-write. Yeah, the, I think the co-writes on this are all the same, where I brought in the uh, the underlying music and then Vetus would do the melody and the lyrics. Um, so, yeah, so any story is really Vetus's, but th that's the way those those oh, okay. were. Uh, that's another friend that we lost, yeah. um, also ended his life. <laughs> so we, we have the song Power Pop Heart for our friend Gary, um, and uh, he, all the, uh, a lot of the really great LA bands that uh, I loved seeing the most memorable shows were all shows when I went with Gary. So he was my friend to hang out with at concerts and stuff and he helped the band a lot. And so we want to make it a cheery and, uh, song, more of a celebration. And it absolutely yeah. is. The arrangement is wonderful on this. And the video that accompanied it? Well, I did that. And there were a couple of edits of it and yeah. you, got, you guys got to see an early one and 
then we took it back because it was too obvious what the bands were. But I overlapped, you know, I faded in different bands, live video that I'd stolen off of YouTube. We don't have the rights to that stuff. And I faded it in, but it became a little too obvious. But all the bands that are in the video, and there's about 35 of them, they're all bands that I went and saw with my friend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we were trying to guess some of those, the, the clips that come up. They're so vague and they're so subtle. So I think I, think I came up with like four. <laughs> right. The ones that are hard to pick out are like Crusados and Plugs are both in there. And 2020. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, Rank and File. Um, uh, House of Freaks. Um, oh. Wednesday Week. There's a lot of them in there. Steve in the yeah. Dream Syndicate. Um, Dave Roback is in that. Uh, there's a bunch of people in that video. If you're from LA, it's all LA bands that are in there. Yeah. Right. And of course, uh, the Screamers with Tomato Duplantis in there. And then we get to Headline. Yeah. And um, <laughs> there, there are a lot of really cool uh, things that are in this. Like a lot of the. I see. I'm not a musician, in case you didn't know, but as a fan just listening, I liked a lot of the kind of stop, start, rise and fall. Like, there's a lot going on musically, and then these really powerful lyrics that accompany. us a little bit about this song or the origin of this song. Wooly. Well, again, that was my, yeah, that, <laughs> sorry, he just raised his hand. <laughs> I pointed at you is what I did. <laughs> well, yeah, so that was another, that was another one where I just brought in the, the music and, and that one I really didn't have, I, I really didn't know what was going to happen during what are now the, the stops. Um, I half imagined it just, it, you know, everybody just playing through, but we really didn't know until um, we got together with Danny and uh, then everything went in a, a certain direction. The, the cello idea, you know, kind of came in later once we heard how the song was, was being built up. And, and then once the cello was on there, that led to the, I don't know, that, that one build where I kind of was trying to do a little bit of a Jeff Beck, you know, <laughs> two measure guitar piece. So that one just sort of gradually built up. And, um, you know, to me, I don't think it would be very interesting without Vetus's melody and, and lyrics. Plenty cool. Because that just yeah. really came out of nowhere. I just, I had no idea, you know, what was coming when, when, when Vetus came up with that. It was just, it just really made the song into something. I got to say that Vetus is a master with melody. 
personally, just when you listen to any of these projects and you hear Vetus's signature melodies, they're just so catchy. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, and those definitely come through on the Petrified Max debut yeah. CD. So. We do whatever we want <laughs> in Petrified Max. I love it. <laughs> There's less uh, constraints. <laughs> it works. All right. So next up, we have more positivity from Vetus with Fail. <laughs> really positive song. How did this one come together? Uh, this is a little song Diddy written in the middle of the night. Uh, also about a friend of mine who's alive and well. Thank you, thank you. But he's very much an isolationist and doesn't want Finally. anybody to ever come see him. Or uh, so it's kind of an interesting song that way. Um, and he too is an artist, and he sent me some of his artwork, and it, it's it's really cool stuff. It inspired that song, which is that he just can't interact with other humans at all. He's a very meticulous artist. Excellent. I know quite a few people like that. Uh, all, the, all the engineers at my work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, must, it must be a characteristic of engineers. <laughs> all right, so Acres <laughs> up next, another co-write. So John, I imagine you brought this in? Yeah, and I, we really didn't know what, what was going to happen with that. Um, I just had a, you know, whatever, eight bar, 12 bar progression of chords and uh, we just kept repeating them and then building on top of it. So really, you know, that's all Vetus putting all that, that stuff on. And, and you, you, you were mentioning his, his gift with melodies, but all the harmonies are, are Vetus. I, I had nothing to do with the vocals on this album. So every harmony that you hear, that's Vetus coming in with- I would like to point ideas. out that Wally portrays the cop in length of rope. <laughs> yeah i did make an appearance that's true i did make a vocal appearance wow <laughs> so that, that's where the vocal credits come in on the album right well, there's one song that we sang together you sang on one of your songs too well i sang i sang verses on uh uh yeah, whole, I, yeah. I double tracked them on whole yeah although yeah 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 my it's voice in there. is not for public consumption generally. <laughs> so going back to the harmonies, Vetus, that's something that you probably started back in the early days of the last, because yeah. um, those harmonies definitely show up in since the beginning of that band's output. Yeah, um, that song needed something that was uh, not a melody line, but basically chords, voices of chords, and it needed to come in and flow in in sheets. Um, the song is inspired, at least my, I think, for me, it was inspired by the Woolsey Fire and not Homes That Were Lost and all that sort of jazz, but that basically 90,000 acres of national and state parkland burned in that fire. And you can only imagine how many animals perished in that. 
And the images of, you know, the fried rabbit just posed in a really weird position at the edge of a road or the rattlesnake that's obviously in agony when it dies, it's standing upright and ends up fried, just stuck in that position. And the deer carcasses and everything else that we dealt with out here. Um, I just couldn't think about anything but the millions of animals that suffered and died. And yes, the wildfires are a natural phenomenon, but this was a man-made fire and it came at the worst possible time and we did nothing successfully to direct it or really stop it. We allowed it to burn everything in the parkland. And so we're talking about millions of animals that perished and it was so amazing to come and see the first bit of greenery because the rains hit a month later. And that's when the mud flows happened up here. But with that first bit of grass, we're immediately seeing the bunnies and the deer back. And we were, you know, there's photos of bunnies that are half burned and alive and eating the grass a month later. Um, but the birds that didn't make it because they couldn't deal with the smoke, all that stuff really bothered me. So I just put it together as an homage to uh, whatever stupidity and the unfortunate demise of all those animals. Feel Rushing towards the sea, or hiding there? Are you on the hill? Are you in the water? Are you on the sand? Feel life, wildlife. And that had a big impact on your work, right? As far as... Yeah, yeah, it did, it did. Um, we, we were doing a lot of the houses pro bono, helping people get plans approved to rebuild, and we're still doing them. Um, and, and there's a lot of sad stories there too. Uh, thankfully, there was very little loss of life, but there, there are some heartbreaking stories about that, that too. I was more affected by the stories of the animals and what I witnessed after the fire. That's terrible. Made for a pretty song. Yeah, it is a great. It's really ethereal. <laughs> that song is really the tonality of it is really ethereal. And now that I hear the story behind it, yeah, to walk out know. on those trails right after the fire and just see nothing but that charcoal color, everything scorched, and just the sticks that were trees and nothing around. You know, no gopher holes left. Just the little dead rodents here on the ground everywhere. To walk out until you see nothing mm -hmm. but that and have that on all four sides of you. That is an experience. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was trying to communicate in the song. So up next is John's song. So we go to Three Times Gone. And I think this was one, Soraya, that both you and I, when we were trying to decide what songs that we thought were would be good for A&R people, this was one of them that we kind of all agreed that uh, it is definitely a standout track. She is melting into the chair. Sleeping. 
So John, can you tell us about putting this one together? Uh, again, that started off with just um, a little chord progression, uh, just that first little descend. And then it's just a matter of like following it to the next place and the next place and the next place. Uh, so musically, that's that's where it came from. Um, and lyrically, that's, that's just about um, uh, three family members who've died. Uh, and I guess, you know, I, I don't think too much about lyrics when I get started, you know, usually it's just an image. So I think I was, so I think the first line was literally the first line that I, that I wrote. And I was just thinking of my mom who died of Alzheimer's and just kept fading away. Um, and so that's, you know, that's my mom, my uncle and my grandmother. Those are the three who are, who are gone. record. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. This is. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pour a shot into the coffee. Hey, it, it's real life, so we're talking about real life here, and death, and death, right? So, um, so John, would you say yeah. like your approach when you write songs is when you sit down with an instrument with a guitar and you start playing a progression that the words just come out where you don't think ahead. I'm gonna write a song about such and such. No, yeah, I, I don't think ahead, and and um, I, I I don't think I ever think of a melody when I'm first writing. Uh, I'm just in, I, I'm just thinking about the chord progression and how that goes. And sometimes there's a, a little hint of a melody in my head, but usually not. And usually it just comes from something that's going on within the chords. So it's it, it really it's just following chord to chord. Um, I'm even thinking about the stuff I'm working on now. And usually it starts with, you know, one or two chords. And then I try and figure out what, where it might go next. And things just get built up that way. Yeah, there's, there's no forethought. 
<laughs> no forethought at all. <laughs> you know, the only forethought would be, well, gee, you know, we got a bunch of songs that are, are kind of downbeat. So maybe I can do something that has a little more uh, rock energy to it or something like that. But aside from that, it's, it's, it's really just, I, I have a lot of time, so I get to play a lot every day. And um, uh, usually when I'm just messing around, I'll, I'll come up with a chord or two and that'll get me going. And then I'll go days without any ideas. <laughs> nice. So it sounds like something, something gets channeled through you. That's the way that it sounds yeah. to me. Once you sit down with an instrument, something yeah. natural happens. Yeah, at first for sure. You know, and then it's very, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's improvisational, but it, it becomes um, a, a pretty conscious process in a way, you know, because I just, you know, one chord has to go somewhere else. And it's just a matter of figuring out where it's going to go and then how to get back to square one or how to make a transition. And you got a great partner there that knows how to, bring things to an end and put it in a bow and complete it. So, yeah, Vitas is really good with uh, uh, working out arrangements once the songs are kind of in some sort of shape. I'm yeah. not as methodical. I usually have something that I want to write the song about. And it usually <laughs> starts with a lyric and a little bit of a melody. I start at the opposite end. And then it's not about figuring out the chords that go together, but it's finding two chords that are really odd where there's something wrong with them or something that's missing and take two chords, put them right next to each other, two chords that should never be next to each other, force them to work together. Okay, this is the beginning of the song, work from that. Wow. Like that. that doesn't just work out real well, yeah. but. It's organized chaos, I like it. <laughs> yes. Okay, and then can we talk about basics? So this is another co-write, but one of the things that I find so, intriguing about this record all the varieties of the different guitar styles and i mean there are some that are like hard rock some that are like 70s some that are like psyche and then we get to basic and basic is just like this guitar freak out at one point it's right there in front of your face like you're running in place when you can't shake it no more it's right there it's your game and you got real good my my best in the neighborhood when you can't Okay, so where, what's the origin? Is it in this organized chaos of two, of, you know, two chords or is it like two chords that don't belong together? 
where does this come from? And who says bye now? Bye now. Uh, oh, that's Vetus, yeah. Well, very guitar <laughs> sounds and approaches no, that- you, Wally. Definitely. That's why this album has so many different guitar tones. John plays 90% of the guitars on this record, and they come from all different angles. It's fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was trying to rip off your blues. On this oh. Piece. That's all. Uh, you know, I, I was just, I was, I don't know why, but I just, I was trying to do uh, something like that. But the, 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 the style of playing is so different. It ended up more like a cream song. And, and you know, that's, that's all. It was, it was from my, from my end, it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. And, um, and it does follow more or less a blues progression until that, that bridge. And I think the bridge, I, I don't think we even had, I think we just got, it's one of the only songs when we were actually together thinking, well, what do we do next for this thing? And, and came up with those, those chords for the middle. Um, but yeah, that's what I, that's actually what I was thinking of, you know, something like your blues or what's the other one, Vita? So where, where he uses a little bit of a, of a, of a riff. Maybe it's just your blues. Yeah. But I played it differently. So it ended up sounding more like a cream thing. That's what was in my head. Anyway, the lyrics are all Vita's. John, what kind of guitars do you like? On that one, uh, on, on that, uh, album uh it's mostly a strat uh, a sure. little bit of this really ugly telly that i have um mr ugly <laughs> mr ugly and then uh <laughs> there there's there are a couple really really interesting guitars in the that live in the studio there's an old sg um that we used a lot um that there's a kind of a jaguar that we used on bat whispers um it was just pure chance there happened to be a baritone in the studio. Somebody, somebody left a baritone in there. So that's the, the solo and the, the arpeggio part is done on a, on a really cheap Dan Electro baritone. They're cool guitars. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. But that's, but the, probably the Strat more than anything, anything else. Yeah. Uh, I can definitely hear a Strat. Yeah. Yeah. So Venus, I wanted to talk about songwriting. So on this particular song on basic, John brings in the music and you write the lyrics for. Do you prefer to write lyrics to your own tunes or to have music that you write lyrics to? When Wally brings a song in, it's kind of like when Kel Johansson brings a song in. There's a, a mutual interest in that type of music that inspired the piece. And so I'm immediately into that. I've tried writing with other people and there isn't that immediate connection at the source point that inspired the chord progression or the arrangement. So it comes really easy. I like doing the mix. I like what we're doing now. Um, I think there'd be a sameness to it, no matter how hard I tried. If I wrote every song and there was a whole sequence of my tunes, I'm better off working with another writer. And songwriting for me came as a sort of a competition with Joe Nolte, a competition that I lost, but um, I tried really hard to keep up with him. I was the George Harrison, you know, hey, I get one tune on this record. Um, but, uh, I learned a lot about songwriting from Joe, but I think what I do is, is totally different. And I often wanted to plug into his songs and change things instead of plug into my songs and, you know, change them. But uh, I like doing it all different ways. And starting with the nugget and doing it on my own and then maybe bringing it in. And I've done that and brought an entire song to John Talley Jones and said, look, this is what I've got for a melody. 
he changes the melody, comes up with something, it's a very different song. So I've had the experience I think Wally has when he brings in something and uh, I, you know, he headline where I, it, it's a different song, I guess, after that. What I heard right from the get-go uh, was different than what Wally heard. Those uh, exchanges are, that's where creativity really blossoms. So I like doing it all different ways. I don't want to do it the same way twice. Yeah, I love that. I love your answer because for me, as a, a fan of music, I prefer band collaborations. So I have, I think about ten thousand physical pieces of music between vinyl, CD, right. cassettes. Mm -hmm. My, my yeah. whole house is is music. Empty bookcases now. But yeah, so about ninety percent of the music that I own are bands are are groups not singer songwriters not single artists and there's something about collaborations that i think is just fabulous and you can hear and, unless you have somebody like a genius like prince who can make himself sound like a collaboration but for the most part i i love the idea of people coming together connecting together and creating an art that's bigger than the two of the two of them three of them whatever can can bring on their own so i love this aspect of petrified max and it sounds like it is definitely collaborative the feel work. of the songs i want to point out yeah. has a lot to do with danny frankel because his drumming and his percussion really? is really sensitive stuff and he really kind of reads what we have in mind and gives it a lot of depth it's the most musical drumming you know with with john frank it's musical drumming mm -hmm. as well and I'll tell you that the last was cool with Jack Reynolds on drums, but that band blossomed when John Frank came in and started drumming. This is where Joe and I disagree, but for me, the last turned into something really great when John Frank came along. And that's why some of the Trotsky records are so great is because we had Jason Kahn and we had Hunter Crowley and we had John Frank, totally different drummers, totally different aspects of that band. And suddenly actually not just recording Danny Frankel, making someone else sound awesome, but actually having him play on our songs has just been the best experience. Love playing with that guy. Wow. Yeah. You don't hear a lot of props to drumming unless you're talking to Soraya. Yeah. I give mad props <laughs> to all the drummers. I love percussion. Yeah. So I'm just. Uh, yeah, not all drummers player. are created equal, and there aren't that many really great ones. And uh, yeah. getting to play with, you know, some of the people I've gotten to play with has been wonderful. But you know what Vita said about a drummer being musical is really is is a simple but really good way to put it. You know, because they're not all that musical. They don't all always listen really sensitively to what's going on. It does make a big difference. And and I'm with Soraya. I just think that the, you know, without a drummer up there who really knows what he or she is doing, uh, you've got nothing. But I remember uh, um, seeing the plugs and just realizing what an amazing, amazing drummer Charlie was, even, even though he was, he was pretty understated, really. Um, and it just, made, you know, it, it just makes everything work or, or, or not work. So does Danny play any instruments other than drums? All modes of percussion. I think he plays some yeah. piano. I really don't know what else, but he's played in some pretty major acts. I don't know if you've looked up who he plays with, but it's pretty amazing and and they are diverse so it's, you know it's not just Carmack DeForest over there but he played with Lou Reed and he's played with uh, he toured for a long time with Katie Lang he's playing with Fiona Apple he plays with Beck he's he's good and he's good at all of that 
but no matter what you give him, what he excels at is listening to it and figure out just what will make that sting and not overplay it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're thrilled with this new wait, album. We're wait, really glad that you guys wait. put this out. Oh. Oh. <laughs> then we end with the band the band oh. reconsiders. Hello. Oh, so yeah. we, you know, as we've been talking through the songs, <laughs> I now see that there's this, and again, I think this is why the book ending is so brilliant because kind of set us up for this kind of eerie storytelling and as we go through all these songs yeah there's a lot of hyped music a lot of up music but when you listen to the songs the stories are life you know they're all the shades of what we get and not all of it is pretty not all of it is happy but it's compelling and i think that's the thread through all these songs and then we get to and the bat reconsiders so i'm glad you never abandoned it read us because it really just kind of brings us right back and it makes you want to go back and play the whole thing over really it's it's Success. like segueing all the way back to the beginning <laughs> yeah so the the story on the bat by the way is um i built our house and we have this curved window at the foot of our bed and it looks out into just a hillside in our garden where we look over the canyon right there there's there's really nothing on that side but the moon is very often on that side um and there's this lone bat and he's still around we're always worried about him but he's picking up all the little insects on that side of the house so when we sleep whenever you wake up and you look over over your feet what you usually see uh, more often than not is the bat right in front of our window and he keeps going by and he's just there for an instant there's always this thing in the middle of the night we worry about him hitting the house. Is he okay? He's not there for three days. I hope our bat's okay. <laughs> and then we go, you know, I go play a gig with Trotsky and I come home at two in the morning or whatever it is. I'm not going to wake up Shannon. I go downstairs, sleep on the couch outside that window. There's the bat. We've gone around to the other side of the house. So whatever. The song is, you know, his perspective there. Is he taking a big risk by cleaning up all around our house? Because he's a little janitor. So I wrote the song for him. <laughs> I think you need to name the bat, Vetus, if you haven't already. <laughs> you know, at one point he had a name and I don't recall it, but we just refer to him as the bat. The bat. The house bat. Every yeah. house has one. Our personal house bat. I love it. Um, yeah. So, I'm sure there's more than one bat, but it always looks like it's just about nine, right? <laughs> it's your bat. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, so we've got this out and um, Poison Summer Records we've seen there is a facebook page there is a place to get it and i like that you know ronnie gave it some traction and you know i want our listeners to give it some love too so we're gonna post links to your facebook page and and um, poison summer records and that way people can go get it and we're hoping jeff aren't we hoping praying making altars that live music comes back so, yeah, so um we, this is we need to see a petrified max yes. live show and trust me not 6 30 in a bar this is like <laughs> maybe even at 8 p.m <laughs> but no really uh this is you know is is this something that you know all circumstances being ideal and safe where you give us a couple of live shows you throw us that that you know a couple of biscuits. <laughs> we have talked about that, 
And everyone in Trotsky's off doing other little projects right now. Kel Johansson has a two album solo album coming out, two records set. And John Talley Jones is, and I don't know how many bands, but a strike slip is awesome. I don't know if you guys have listened to those two EPs. Hopefully they'll oh. play live. It's with Juan Gomez. Um, oh yeah, it's really good. You got to check it out, Jeff. It's great stuff. And wow. Tom Alford's <laughs> doing these prog songs. I mean, it's progressive rock. It's like um, oh Vandegraaff Generator meets I don't know what the other band would be there, but it's really great stuff. And he writes these songs, and we, we can't. It's not Trotsky material at all, but everybody in Trotsky wants to hear it over and over again. So. He's brought songs in and uh, we've said, yeah, we'll do that, but it never quite worked out. So he's working on his own thing right now and he's got really great people to play with. So I think uh, everybody's gonna be doing their own stuff for a while here. And we certainly wanna play live if we have that opportunity. Perfect. John, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Playing live? <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, we, yeah. We've, and like Vita said, we've been talking about, you know, how we could put this together for, for some live shows. But um, in the meantime, we're just working on the next, batch of songs i mean i figure that it's it's probably going to be a while before <laughs> before bars are open um yeah you know looking at texas and florida i think we're going to be going you know one step forward two steps back for months and months you know so uh i think by the time we play live we'll probably have another album's worth of material and you know it'll be pretty easy to put 10 songs together, whether it's 6.30 or 8.30 or 10.30 uh, is, is really pushing it for us. Uh, but, <laughs> but whatever time it is, yeah, we really like it. That's awesome. Show. And Jeff, what yeah. more can we ask than knowing that songs are in the works, that two chords are yeah. jumping around, dancing around in front of lyrics are jumping around on Venus's brain. Uh, we're we're here great. for all of it. This is a really, really solid <laughs> album. In, I don't know, Jeff and I can't rave about it enough. It's not a good time to be putting out a record. Everybody's at home doing stuff and putting them out, which is wonderful, but it's all coming as one big glut and the record stores are closed. I don't know. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's strange. We thought, at first we thought, oh, this is the perfect time. Everybody's at home listening. Everyone else thought the same thing, you know? And I think <laughs> there's so many, you know, unwelcome distractions. It's, it's so strange, you know, everybody's, at home looking for things to do, I suppose, but, um, you know, but then there's another, you know, cop beating up somebody or the COVID's coming back in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things to think about. And like Vita said, there's a glut of material. Uh, Maybe our next record could be just a bit more cheery. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> well, like Soraya mentioned earlier, it's it runs the full gamut. So it's it's just life. That's part of life. So <laughs> you talk about real topics. So but we love the album. We thank you guys for coming on the show to talk about it. And uh, we definitely encourage our listeners to go out and get this. And like Soraya said, we'll share links. So um, we definitely recommend this yes. album. All right. Thanks, you guys. It's been really All right. Yeah. Thank you Thanks so much Thanks for, for joining us today. Appreciate it. And if you if you come out with a second record, we'd love to have you guys back. Uh, on. If no, when right. when? <laughs> yeah, when it's happening, we're on it. Thank All right. You. All right. Well, Thank you. we'll go write some more. Go write some more songs yeah. for us. We'll do. All right. Okay. All right. Have a good Thank one. You a lot. Thank you. Thanks. So much. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> So what did you think about those guys, Soraya? Okay, first of all, I love talking to Venus, but John cracks me up. Yeah, I just had two chords. Yeah. Two chords. 
two chords just two chord progressions just moved on. Um, I really like this project, and I I think what I love about it is that it it's what Vita said. It's not Trotsky Ice Pick. No. It's and that they knew the songs wouldn't fly. You know. <laughs> yeah. But they're they have a lot of depth and substance in the songs, and you know look at you and i we were listening and we didn't know the stories and now knowing the stories behind them it adds a whole other dimension to yeah. these songs it's really i mean yeah these you know when me to say oh we'll do something a little more cheery i think that's really impressive that they were able to take a topic that wasn't cheery and make it palatable like make it I mean, for lack of a better word, make it enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, because it, the album is definitely not a downer. I'll say that. I, I get pumped up listening to it and hearing these topics um, in dealing with suicide and family death and what the tragedy that happened with the fires. And it, these are tough topics and that make huge impacts on our lives. I mean, these kind of things are universal, right? We, we've all experienced um, f friends or family that are gone. Um, here in California, fires are very common and uh, it's a very scary and real thing that we have to live with here. Yet, listening to this CD, I'm pumped up and happy when I, when I hear it. Right. So I totally get what you're saying here. I mean, it's, it's beyond palatable, it's enjoyable even though these topics are so heavy and and real and impactful. Right. I, I think the only one that isn't one of these kind of, you know, really deep topics is snowshoe. Yeah. You know, but um, I really like what they've done with this. And um, I have to agree with Vetus. Danny Frankel's drumming really adds, you know, kind of makes it all a really cohesive unit. But man, the guitars on this are so good. We've talked about it before. Oh yeah, yeah, They're yeah. Just good, and it it's beyond me. What did what did John say? He said, you know, just a couple of years ago, he bought an electric guitar that, and he had stepped away for so long. Yeah, and came back and it seems like he didn't skip a beat no i think maybe that maybe that added to the energy so when you step away from yeah. something and you miss it and you want to come back and you come back with that full gusto maybe that's what's happening here with john where he came back and ready to play music and let's write some songs i mean even now in talking to him today he sounds very excited about the next project, about the next group of songs. So uh, it, it's great. You can hear that passion and energy come out in the song. So I one hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anna, and, and we were talking about the artwork earlier, and all of that, the titles, the name of the band, the name of the CD, um, it all has uh, a certain vibe to it. So I can see this as a totally separate entity. It's, a different um, creative path than any of the projects that 
that these guys are involved with. So right. it's definitely a unique, and you mentioned about the songs. It's, it's a very unique record and it's, it's its own, it's its own thing. And I'm really yeah. glad these guys put this together. You know, I like the point that you made about how, um, when you see that collaborative group output, you know, in albums, it's really appealing because, you know, one, you start to imagine all the work that went in behind it to form it, but also you're really, I think you get a lot of dimension. And so to, to songs versus, you know, I'm not saying nothing against solo artists at all because I respect and admire and listen to a lot of them. But I think there's a challenge here in putting three people together and coming out with something that's cohesive, strong, and representative, right? Yeah. Of yeah. the people that are a part of it. And I really liked how you how you express that. And, I, and when I think about Petrified Max, I think we've got that here. A very collaborative team that maybe they don't approach things in the same methodical way, but the output is really strong. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because definitely when you heard John say, Well, I start with the music first and then go to lyrics, and then Vita says, Well, I start with the lyrics and then maybe have like an idea of, of music, and then it just comes together. Yeah. And something really cool comes from that yeah, i know yeah. these guys are great yes and can we and, talk about Vetus's singing i mean Vetus is such a good singer and yeah. i don't know why he you know he downplays he downplays his his uh, vocal abilities but he's a great singer all i have to really? say is listen to charlie drove north done i rest my case <laughs> i mean there check is it <laughs> Vidas Matare as vocalist. Dot dot. Exactly. See, Charlie, Charlie Drovnor. Yeah. Very cool. So, Very cool. And now we know about his personal bat, his family's personal bat. Yeah. And, who inspired the beginning and end of this? <laughs> the bookends of this album. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have bats in our neighborhood. In fact, when we were walking in, our we've been trying to do daily walks my wife and i and when we were coming back into the house a bat flew under our awning out from underneath our awning into the night sky and so uh yeah we have our, our little bats in our neighborhood too that we we try we intentionally try to to go out and walk as the sun is starting to come down because that's when we we see the activity so not a whole lot of them but we'll see one or two so yeah i can appreciate and enjoying seeing the bat <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well this brings us we're here in the middle end of july now soraya so um we're here in the summer so we're hanging tough yes we are so it's fortunately not a poison summer right it's a <laughs> or is it <laughs> i saw what you did there I was trying no, to make no it right. reference to poison or virus or anything. This okay. is a good place, good summer, music. It's yeah. delightful. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Jeff, I don't I don't wanna end this episode, but gente agarubiar. Groove on Paisley people.
Don't be scared. It's going to take a minute to convert. Okay. <laughs> Got a power.